dipsy. Everybody in the club get dipsy. Everybody in the club get dipsy. Hey, real quick, uh, what was your favorite genre of music? Oh man, I am a big seventies fan. I love seventies. I, I like Come blues on. and jazz too, but like old school, like Police, that kind of a thing. Okay, Three Dog Night. Oh yeah. Stuff Favorite like Three Dog Night song. Oh gosh, man! We're in a genre now of people that are becoming more rare. I don't. I uh, hold on. I even take. I, I like you have these kids. I'll go to Target and uh, I see kids my daughter's age wearing shirts of bands that they have no, no clue. clue. And I'll ask them the same question: What's your favorite uh, Journey song? What's your favorite uh, whatever song? And they're like, Well, I, don't know, I just like the shirt. Yeah. And I, I take offense to that. It, yeah. I have to pray through that sometimes. It's a lost generation. It is. There's no hope for I pray them. Pray every day for yeah, them. Yeah. They're hopeless. <laughs> yeah. My my kid comes out with a Pink Floyd. I'm like, Give me one song. Nah, can't even give me a song. Another brick in the wall, nothing, nothing. like that? No, okay. no, well. not even. And do you know if you play Pink Floyd's songs backwards? Do you know I did backward masking? Do you, know, do you even know what that is? Oh, no, yeah. In the youth group, we used to do that to show how evil these songs it's were. It's how you kept people from going to hell. You played your albums backward. And then if you could hear the special message from Satan, like God talks right. plain. Like God just thunders from the heavens, right? Not Satan. The way Satan talks to people is backwards on music, like on an album. Right. Well, I knew that long before other people knew it. Not me, man. Me and my youth pastor were traveling around to do conferences. And we were we were probably having these conferences, weekend conferences. We, we were having 16, 18 people coming. Are you even here? Sorry, I was writing something else. How can you? I was writing notes. So, no, did you do that? Did you do backward masking? And then after we found out how evil the songs were, we would go outside and burn them all, and the the smoke would come up. So you did ritualistic burnings of music. Was your soul clean? I I always thought it was funny because we would burn the records and pictures and magazines, and then as the, I remember one time, I'm not, I'm making fun of it, the the smoke was coming up and, and you it saw was, a demon. Yeah. There was a, there a was demon. a demon of the smoke oh, that left yeah, as we burned it. And absolutely. we all, it was a big bonfire and uh, that's how I grew up, man. Yeah. Yeah. I miss those days today. It's transgenders and weed smoking. <laughs> I'm, I miss, let's go burn right. uh, ACDC highway to hell. Yeah, No, we don't do that. Anymore. We don't do that anymore. That's good music. Now it's yeah. like, I'm older now. I'm like, Oh, well, that's pretty cool music, you know, yeah. but no, uh, you can on the pink Floyd album, run it back. Yeah, I on the wall, that. on the the wall, yeah. and uh, basically the whole all in all is another brick in the wall. Right. Is you're at the end, you're supposed to judge old Pink. Right? Does he get life or death sentence? Yeah, or should right. he commit suicide? Basically, uh, and also on Stairway to Heaven, here's to my sweet Satan, the wannabe, this bad one who's pow. Exactly what it was. Uh, yeah, I did it. Okay, well we're not talking about that today. You know what we're talking about? What today? are we talking about? Regret. Today? Regret. I like it. R e G-R-E-T, regret. Did you see the guy that got the tattoo of regret, but it was regret? Regret. Regret. I love the, real quick, before we jump into regret. So if you're struggling with regret, you need to sit tight because today is going to be uh, inspiring to give you some wisdom, which is why we're here. I believe you can grow old with no regret. But real quick, do you believe that 
you like these memes, like all fail memes where you see people fail at stuff like the tattoo regurts. No yeah, regurts. it's great. It's great. When uh, it first came out, what was the Michael Scott from The Office? He said, when YouTube first came out, I didn't work for a month. Mm-hmm. I feel that way about those kind of memes. I watch a lot of them and I laugh at all of them. Yeah, it, it is funny. I do too. I laugh at them. So today we're talking about regret. And do you have any? Give me one. Give me a regret. You oh, look man. back over your life because what I want to do is drop some wisdom sure. on, which is what the podcast is all about, sure. lunch break. We take about 30 minutes a week, and it's to just give you some life wisdom because my goal in doing this is to help you navigate life so you can be successful. And then I like this tag for my own self that you can grow old with zero regret. So my first question to you, do you believe that's possible? I do. I do. Uh, I, 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 of course, have regrets in life, or at least things that I wish I would Pick have one. done different. Give me something you you look back on and go, God, I regret this. You know, I, I think that um, one of my biggest, not one of my biggest, one of the things that I have regretted is uh, I was a junior at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I was that's the mothership. Oh, that's the you don't you don't play. It's, it's Church of God, right? Yeah, that's Cleveland, Tennessee. It is the, the mecca. That's the mecca. Yeah. For, so you were at the mecca. I was, and I was doing really. Well, I was did a music y'all burn major. albums? We did, and we, <laughs> you, uh, that school at first, you girls couldn't even wear pants oh, until so after seven. No, well, no, they had to wear dresses. Oh, okay, and, that but scared me. I always thought it was, was funny because at seven you could wear pants. It was like a God turned the I'm not looking at seven, or men are looking at seven. Okay. Maybe anyway. So yeah, I was I was doing well, but uh, I had gone for some music auditions. I played trumpet, and I had gone to Nashville and done some auditions. Wait a minute, and, stop. Yeah. You play trumpet. Okay, we're gonna have to start Most this people, recording. Do they over. know this about you? You know, I this, no, not well. Some people do, some people don't. I guess not people here in the Hotlanta area. But no. you were a great trumpet player. Right? I was. I Top was adequate. Line. No, I heard you were. My research, yes, is that you were one of the top trumpet players at Lee University. You were so good that the music department used you to chart all of the parts for the band. Is yes. that correct? Yes, I not only that, but they made they. They hired me on to, on uh, Lee University to arrange and write music for one of the groups that were there, uh, which is what I thought I was going to do forever. I thought I was going to produce music and that kind of stuff. But so I was in Nashville yeah. and I was in the studio. I was working. I was doing good. And there were some high end uh, auditions. I didn't make one of them. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore because of uh, I, I got my feelings hurt. So I was sitting in a Zaxby's in Cleveland, Tennessee, and where I was sitting. I saw the recruiter's office that was off to the right, and I saw a Marine walk in with his sword, and I looked and I said, you know what? I'm not finishing college. I want to do that. And within three months, I was standing on the yellow footprints uh, at Paris Island as a Marine recruit, and I was like, oh my gosh, I should have finished school. Yeah, so the moment you walk off the bus... And your feet hit the yellow footprints. Oh, Did you feel gosh. regret? I was. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I was like, I need to be back in the practice room at the School of Music at, at, at Lee University, and uh, oh yeah. And I, you know, sometime to this day, I didn't finish. Then I've I've, I've got uh, a little degree from the Pentecostal uh, Theological Seminary now, um, but I, I look back on it and thought, man, I, I, I really wish I would have finished in that moment there back in 1996. So that's what I want to talk about today because I believe. A lot of life can be loaded with regret. 
And I, I've never met anybody yet that doesn't have a story. So if you're listening, you probably have your uh, quintessential story of regret, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all have something we look back and go, dude, I regret that, mm-hmm. you know, but I look at, I kind of take this. Yes, we all have regret. And, and my tag lifeline is, is I want to grow old and have zero regret. Sure. I don't mean that we don't have regrets with, you know, plural, but by the time you hit your elderly years, your senior years, I'm going to go 60 plus, man, you should be at a place to where you have no regret. Right. You should be smart enough to make wise choices. Now you should have learned enough from your earlier regrets that you've grown from it and you've become a wiser human being that you're not stuck in the cycle of making continual regrets because that should speak volumes to you if you're listening today and you keep repeating the same behaviors that end in regrets all the time you probably aren't going to grow old with zero regrets you're going to have a lunch bag full of them and the last thing we want to do is get to the our what I consider and I think the Bible considers your last year should be your best years right right? I know we kind of praise 20 year old young people right it's your best years ever no your best year should hit you at about 60 years old and you should live from 60 to whenever you check out i'm shooting for 100 by the way okay you should check out those should be your best years you know why they typically aren't Hmm. the one word regrets we're talking about today because by the time we get there we have regrets that we made poor decisions in our 20s and 30s we made poor health decisions so now we're maybe riddled with medicine uh typically in the american culture we're overweight i would say most people i don't know i'm i'm guessing i don't have stats on it but i can almost say the stats are there most people in their 60s are already going to be on a medicine of some sort i actually have statistics that's something that oh, i looked God. up so i love it lay it lay a few so on so i there, there are two that i thought were pretty uh crazy 82 82- percent of people who are in the workforce today live with continual regret 82 percent that's eight out of ten people 90 per 90 percent of people that are living in nursing homes and are at the last phase of their life 90 percent of people live with regrets and wish their life had turned out different those are the two things that really jumped out to me when i was researching and looking for uh studying regret for this podcast yeah and i don't want it's See, that's what I'm that's what I mean by I believe it's possible to grow old with no regret. And yet, what did you say? 90 percent in 90%, nursing homes yeah. have regrets, right? I, I watched this is years ago. I watched a documentary. They were researching elderly people in nursing homes sure. that were, you know, moving into their 90s centenarians if they could find them that old in America. Not many of them here, but at that juncture. However, they asked them the question, and do you have any regrets? And do you know what across the board one of their biggest regrets were? What's that? I didn't take enough risk. Wow. I wish I would have gone back and took more risks. I was scared. Sure. I was afraid. I was anxious. I was fearful. So you would hear things in in their interview. I wish I would have started that business. I wish I would have proposed to my first love and I didn't. I wish I would have, you know, uh, explored more, but I was always afraid. I was fearful tragedy would happen. I I wish, you know, there was always the I wish connected to it. And I think that speaks volumes to regret. 
regret because I believe the reason we have regrets is no one teaches us how to seize the moments. So go back to your story. What year was that you were at Lee? That was, I joined the Marine Corps in 96. So it was somewhere in 96. It would have been the fall of 96. Okay, so watch this and how, how regret plays itself out in life. You you had uh, what you would consider a dream. Sure. Right? Go to Nashville. I'm going to sing, right? Whatever that was. It went sour. Right. All right. Well, the moment life goes sour, I, I've never met anybody life doesn't go sour. Sure. It always sours somewhere along the way. A, a friend, a person, an event. The, life is, if you're alive, you're going to hit a sour moment. Right. You hit the sour moment. Now, it's the sour moments that hit us all of where regrets have the greatest potential to grab a hold of you. Because in the sour moment, we lose sight of the, I'll use this as a Christian lingo, eternal. I lose sight of the eternal. Sure. And I'm only looking for the moment. I'm living my moment. YOLO, it was not famous then, but you did a YOLO, right? right? You only live once. I've had a bad day. I have a soured moment. Life didn't go like I planned. And so I made, in my mind, a rash hasty decision that had consequences right. tied to it because most regret the reason we regret regret them and call them a regret is they they are tied to uh unwanted consequence in the moment i felt like i wanted it right because right. it's momentary this looks cool he's dressed in a marine uniform you don't even think further than the moment right so one of the ways that so many people i guess uh, 90% of this st- stat you gave is that we we so live the moments that by the time we reach the end of life the moments we had to choose the soured moments of life the opportunities to correct course the opportunities to really ask well is music what i want to do or not I, I make a decision and then that begins to create habits. My choices are always momentary. And, the, and as soon as the moment turns sour, I start grasping for straws. And in grasping for straws, I create, I create habits. And the habits that I create become a cycle of regret. So I'm, I'm in my nineties now going, God, I have, this is loaded with regrets. It's all the, you know, younger people that are working jobs. They hate. It's like, I hate it, but I needed money. I hate what I do for a living, but I had to pay bills. Right. So I think the first step to regret and having regrets is you have to learn how to handle the sour moment. When it sours, you're about to do something stupid. You're, we would call it acting rash and lustful or yourself, you know, you're, you're in a selfish moment, right? So I'm going to seize this moment. Sure. I'm gonna, now, when you're there, when you're in a soured moment, you're not going to think ra- rational, Right? Right. We don't think rational in a sour moment. We're, right. we're angry. We're upset. We're ticked. We're looking to blame somebody. We're cursing God. It never happens for me. We're cursing ourselves, right? Like, this is just me. You know, we screw ourselves over with our own words. Then the moment that cycle starts, what's happening is it's creating a response mechanism. 
The response mechanism is when a sour moment hits, because we humans are so conditioned to always look for the secure and the easy. Those go hand in hand. Right. I want secure and easy, but uh, but I, at the same time, I'm looking for pleasure. Right. That's life. I want I want to end right, happy. Sure. I want to have pleasure. You make a decision. You join the Marine Corps. Your feet hit the yellow things, and and the. Th- the thing I'd like to say, number one, about regrets is you have to learn how to break the cycle of how you handle sour moments. So if you're listening, think about a soured moment or any soured moment, and then how you handle that moment is going to determine whether you live in a cycle of regret or whether you learn how to break the habit of that. Sure. Right? I, I, there's no way serving God or not, no, it wouldn't matter what religion you were, there's no way to, to have a life of fewer and fewer regrets the older you get, which would be the goal, right? Hopefully you don't have near as many regrets in your 30s as your 20s and your 40s. Right, sure. Although typically in the 40s, uh, I'll talk about that in a moment, we hit the, we hit the crisis, midlife crisis, right? right. So here's, here's number one. How do you handle the soured moment? Now, you have potentials of watching your, your parents do it. If you're younger, I watch how they handle sour moments. They cuss, they holler, they screamed, or they prayed, or whatever they did. Then if you don't have a model or a mentor in your life, then you create your own. You create your own. Because I would have probably asked you back then, so you're just sitting at a, 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 what were you at, Zaxby's? What would you say? I was sitting at a Zaxby's. You're sitting at a Zaxby's, and you just up and decide to join the Marines? Like, who's in your life going, "Uh, yeah, no, Phil, you got to finish college. Like, So in that moment, you were already in a poor place because you did not have a safety mechanism of people in your life that could help you not have regrets. So number one, you got to handle the sour moment and how you handle the sour moment. So let's think of how to do that. Number one, there was a guy years ago that when I was a kid, his name was Art Turner. He was in our church and he was our worship leader. So I'll appeal to him since you were talking music and greatest of dudes. Well, I move on. Life goes on. Well, Art lives to be in his nineties. He just died a few years ago. And Facebook came along, and Art was always on Facebook, and he posted all the time. Smart guy. He was in the Navy, loved God. His testimony was mind-blowing of how God had used him and ministered to him. So Art always kind of had a special place because I had remembered him as a kid in our church, and I kind of followed him once Facebook came. Like, oh, that's Art. And he was always kind to my family. He visited here in Douglasville a few times to the church and to my parents. Well, every time Art would finish a post on Facebook, He would throw his wisdom out there as an old man. He would end with this, think eternal. Now, I believe that is one of the biggest issues of regret is we don't think eternal. We don't think lasting consequence. We think in the moment. We think stave off the pain right now. I'm ticked off. I'm upset. I'm lustful. It did not go my way. By God, screw the world. I'm about to make a stupid decision here. Whether that's I I got drunk and ended up with a DUI or whether I got somebody pregnant or whether I cheated or whatever the stupid thing that's led to the regret. It's because in the soured moment, it takes a mature human being to think eternal. 
And by eternal, I'm talking about life after this one. Right. I guarantee you it's hard for anybody in a soured moment to think past a week. Right? Yeah, it did for me. Sure. This is going to impact your children, your wife, your character, your legacy, your testimony. So let's say I'm going to start a business. I start my business. I'm so excited. Oh, my God, it's the best business. I'm going to change the world with my business. And the first soured thing that comes along, you're, you you just make, you don't make decisions based off moving the business forward. You, you start looking for another business. You start looking for another out. You start looking because I can't handle when it goes sour because I immediately uh, look inward and think, oh God, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. Life screwed me over. Nothing ever goes my way. And, and then here we go of, I don't think eternal. So I would say this, if you want to stop having a litany of regrets, when a soured moment comes, you, you better postpone that decision and think about what lasting consequences can come from this. Sure. Uh, now, you were single when you joined the Marine. The only lasting regret is you had somebody holler at you for 13 weeks. Yeah, right. And then you get to travel the world. And, I, and I've never heard you now tell me I regret being a Marine. You're very proud of it. I am. Something you accomplished. Thank you for doing it. But that's not always the case. Right. Because sometimes the case in the moment is the soured moment caused me to do something that I cannot get back. Well, I'm glad you said that because that kind of happened to me. When I got out of the Marine Corps, four years later, there was a man in my life named Dr. Walt Malden. Now, Dr. Walt Malden was the guy that when I was at Lee before, um, uh, he just meant a lot to me. He was in my life. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was I had a test date. I was a military police officer. I had a test date to be a police officer in New York City. And so I came back to Lee University just to kind of show off, you know, dress blues, my sword, all that Ooh. kind of stuff and say hi to the ladies because I was single. Right. And uh, but then Dr. Malden said, listen, I want you to come over to my house uh, before you go back to New York and let's just talk. My wife, Penny, and I want to uh, make food and have dinner and let's just talk. So we sit down. We talked about two or three o'clock in the morning. He says, you know what? Before you go back, uh, let me pray. But I, come by my office before you go back. And he said, so I did. He sat down with me and said everything that you did. He lovingly put his arms around my neck and was like, you're an idiot if you keep doing this. And he told me the exact same thing. He said, you're living in the moment. There's so much more in you that you have to get out. You've got this calling. You've got this whatever. And fortunately, I listened to him uh, to this day. God, Gosh, 30 years later, I still talk to him. He was a guy in my life that was able to say what you just said. You're living in the moment uh, and you need to get out of the moment. You need to push through the uh, the temporary and get to the eternal for what God has for your life. And and that has uh, that was a moment in my life that changed forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm here today because of, of uh, what you just said uh, that Dr. Malden uh, said to me. You know, it's it's club memberships. Everybody every January, right? Right. Uh, We always laugh. I work out with a friend, John. We always laugh like January, February clubs packed by March. Forget it. And then about May it'll pack again because I got to get my summer body. Right. Right. The reality of that is people in the year frustrated. They end the year with regrets. I I had, I had a life goal at the top of the year. I didn't hit it at the end of the year. By God, come January, new year's resolution. I'm starting over. 
I think we're so conditioned to starting over and being so accustomed to regret that the start over, the redo is so acceptable because nobody, I don't say nobody, I use really emphatic words like that, always and nobody. I find it rare that people don't stop and go, look, okay, Phil, I'm glad at the top of the year you wanted to lose 50 pounds. And, and then I'm praising you because here we go. I'm going to do it. I'm gonna, and I'm clapping at you. And I'm so happy that this 2024, you got it. Because that conversation of, no, I don't want to talk January. I want to talk why you failed again. I want to talk why you said in 2023 you would do it, but you did not. Because we can keep the cycle going of New Year's resolutions and, oh, oops, I did it again. And, oh, I'm going to this time, this time, you know, how many times have we joined the gym? How many times we said we're going to accomplish something? How many times we said we're going to write a book? We're going to start a new business. We're going, And then it just becomes this cycle of, well, I failed. So let me just start over. Oh, forgive me. I failed. I'm so happy this time. Like my passion of starting over kind of overrides the regret of my failure. Right. Right. And we applaud the start overs, but ultimately you have to ask yourself, uh, how many times are you going to start over rather than asking the harder questions? Why are you, why are you continually failing? That's good. Yeah. Why, why are you continually having to start over? Why is the same 20 pounds the problem? Why do you keep losing friends? Why do you, why do you say I, I can't, I don't have many friends? Okay. Let's look at the fact that maybe people don't get you, but what if it's you that's the problem? What if it's not your boss that's the problem? What if it's not your last five jobs that's the problem what if it's not your last three pastors that's the problem your last group of spiritual friends that have let you down what if none of that's the problem what if the problem is we have so many regrets that are looming but the way i uh I hide my regret is by always talking about what I'm going to do next, what I'm going to do next, what I'm going to do next. And I end up, and this would be point number two. Point number one is you got to think beyond the moment. You got to think beyond the, the, the soured moment. Number two is this. You got to think eternal. You got to think long term. You got to think 10 years down the road. How is this going to impact where I'm at? Um, my dad years ago, I was in college. I didn't want to go. He wanted me to go. And I said, okay, I'll do it for you. I, Cause I had zero understanding to do it, but I went and he said, I'll tell you something, son, I've never met anybody yet. That's gotten educated that regretted it. You will regret right. dropping out because I started, I wanted to drop out. He said, no, that's not the way the Evans do. You don't start something and quit. You go all the way to the end. You finish. You probably felt that in the Marine Corps, right? I feet, sure. feet on the yellow footprints. I wish I could get back on the bus. No, you got to finish. There's something great about that. There's something great about having to finish something. Yeah. And so my second thing is, you have to develop the mentality of a finisher. You have to develop the mentality of, I need to finish what I started because if you do that, you end up with less regret. You end up pressing through. And by by having the mentality of a finisher, what you're doing is you're creating a mentality of pressing through soured moments 
because there's something bigger. Because if I say to you, you've got to be a finisher. You have to finish life. You have to finish this decision out. And you're like, well, I'm failing. It didn't go well. If, if we were friends back then, I got, dude, no, you're not going to the Marines, Phil. You're going to go back to Nashville. You're going to do what you always wanted to do. You're going to get rejected again and again and again. But is that not your life purpose, your life goal? If you would have said yes, I would have said, good, let's press on. So number two, you've got to take the mentality of a finisher. And so therefore, what is it going to take in me mentally to change? I have to change mentally because right now I have the mentality of, well, I blew it again. I failed again. Uh, I'm going to find something else, a new friend, a new person, a new life goal versus no, no, we're going to really look inward. I'm going to appeal to a story of mine. Uh, in 1984, I got married. I was fresh in college. First year of college, I'm married to Monica. Monica and I were married four and a half years. She was killed by a drunk driver. And when I got the telephone call to go to the hospital that day, I saw her body. I had to go in with a coroner and I'd identify her body that, yes, that's her. And I had a moment there with her in that room by myself with her and my own soul. And I dealt with it. It's a long story. Maybe talk about later. I dealt with it. I left that day. We went on with the funeral and, and the memorial service and life because sometimes life rolls regardless of the sour moment. Life keeps happening. Sure. That's one thing you got to tell yourself is that, hey, the soured moment's not forever. Life keeps going. So that's number three, if you want to write that one down, that I cannot live the soured moment. I can't take it with me into the future. And a lot of people just become so identified with the sour moment, they never can let it go. They can't let the hurt go, the disappointment go. So there again, they're back in the cycle. First, they, they did a momentary, they, they live that, then they never have the, let me finish something, even if I fail, they kind of get into, I've been so identified and hurt by this that I'm going to carry it. So I buried her and I knew I was in my mid twenties that I would probably get married again. And I met Robin, my wife now, bless her heart. She, we've been together 33 years. And she said yes to me. I guess not knowing all my quirks, not knowing all my issues is, is we, we never do when we first marry. But at the end of that, I told the Lord, I looked over my life and I had regret with Monica. There are regrets that could not be changed. I can't go back and tell her I'm sorry for an argument we had the month before. I can't go back and go, well, I wish I would have kissed her goodbye that morning. I was too tired. I can't go back and tell her, I wish I would have spent more time with you because I didn't. I spent more time with the guys at the gym playing basketball, running, just doing what a 24-year-old does with all my buddies while she lives her life. I live my life, right? We're married. We don't have a problem, but definitely a lot of selfishness on my part. I can't go back and redeem that. Right. Now, if I can't go back and redeem some regrets, I better start shifting how I live because some regrets you can't get back. So I've come to the conclusion then that if I don't want a life of regret, I have to look inward and go, what needs to change in me? And so I began to start living that way. And I said to myself, I'm never again going to live that my wife is not my best friend. 
I'm going to live in such a way that every day with Robin, I'm going to let her know how much I appreciate her and love her. Hopefully a, a day doesn't go by that she doesn't know how much I love her and care for her because once it was over, I can't get it back. My parents, the same way, they're both in their 80s. And when I turned 50, actually, it was longer than that. It was several years prior to that. They were getting older. They turned 70. They were in their 70s then. And I said, no, I'm not going to have them die. And I have a regret. Right. So I call them every day. I literally make the effort to call them every day. My, if I don't call them, my mother will say, well, we wondered if something happened. <laughs> so I had to make a decision that sometime if you don't want to have a life of regret, because I don't want to bury my parents and think, gosh, I wish I would have called my dad today. I don't want to bury my mother and think, man, I was so busy with life. I didn't even stop to talk to her. I don't want Robin and I's marriage to end and think, I wish I would have had one more date night or one more movie with her or whatever it is. So to live a life of no regret, you have to you have to change behavior that says, I want the behavior of someone that lives life that I'm doing my best to stave off regret. So number one, you got to change the way you think about life in the moment. You got to think beyond the moment. You've got to grab hold of don't be a quitter and just curse yourself every time you're in a sour moment and, and start pouting and then take that little pouty moment into next week, next month. And you just have this cycle of poor pitiful me because we all have regrets. But the hardest thing I'll end with this, the hardest thing to do is to change behavior, to change the behavior. So if someone said to me, I, I feel like my life is just a cycle of regrets. I start a business, I end a business, I have a friend, I lose a friend. I, I, would, I would want to sit down and say, well, let's look at you. Let's look inside you and ask, what are the triggers? What are the things that are really touching you? And can I appeal to a scripture real quick yeah, before we close? And if you got another question real quick, we'll answer it. Go ahead. But um, so if you want to know how to handle a regret on a biblical side, go to John 21. John chapter 21 is probably the greatest regret of any human in the Bible we're going to get. And it's with Peter. Hey, you're going to deny me, Jesus says to Peter. He says, oh, yeah, no, I'm not. And the end result is, well, when the rooster crows, you will. Rooster crows, he denies him. He feels dejected. He goes back fishing. Jesus catches him in uh, John chapter 21. Jesus shows up and says to him, he says, Simon, son, verse 15, Jesus has breakfast with him and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Peter replied. I, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Verse 16, Jesus repeated, Simon, do you, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. He said, okay, we'll take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. You see, that that's the thing of regret. Regret is going to, it's going, you're going to have to have hard conversations. If you want to stop having regret, you've got to be willing to have hard conversations with someone. You've got to be willing to have someone speak into your life to go, look, bro, you made a terrible decision a few days ago when you rejected me, but we're not going there. We've got to get to the root of your problem. The root of your problem, Peter, is you love yourself. The root of the problem is in the moment you have self-love. In the moment you loathe the future and you love yourself. So Peter, here's 
here's what we need to do, son. If you continue to love yourself and loathe your future, you're going to live in total regret all the time. So I'm going to ask you some questions until we touch a nerve. And the nerve is it's going to hurt you because I'm going to challenge you to a place that is going to get you emotional. It's going to hurt because I want you to look inward because you got to do something bigger than yourself. So he, he touches that nerve, but he brings him to something bigger than himself. That's where I got to get people to, to regret. If you don't want to have regret, you have to live for something bigger than yourself. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. That's something bigger than yourself. That's a purpose beyond the moment. That's a purpose beyond your flesh. It's a purpose beyond selfishness. And if you want to live a life of no regret, you have to live a life outside of selfishness, outside of your daily lust, outside of poor, pitiful me. And you're going to have to have some conversations that are hard to say, am I willing to live for something bigger than myself? Which is what I said when I buried Monica. I lived for me in that marriage. And if God ever sends me another wife, then I'm going to not live for me. I'm going to live for her and live for my children to do that. And I I think that's where we have to help get people to. We have to get you to, to answer this. If you're listening, I'm going to close with this and I'll turn it you feel if you got anything to say before we go the best thing I can do if you don't want to have regret you need to find somebody to have some hard conversations with that make and say some hurtful things to you to ask if you're a selfish person that every time something goes wrong you choose you you're selfish you're hurting other people you're pouty uh, you don't finish anything you always give yourself excuses you're the victim you're going to live a life of regret you're going to end up in a nursing home with the other 90% of the people that wish that life was different but no, it's not different because nobody ever got in your face and told you to stop being selfish, find something bigger than yourself, find something beyond your flesh and your lust that gives you meaning and purpose, have some hard conversations and learn how to live beyond the soured moment. And I hope that helps you at least start the journey of living with no regret. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Mark. Man, I have wrote, I have wrote, I have yeah, written. Good. That you're yeah, a marine. No, <laughs> I have written a ton of notes from today. I, I think that's great. Uh, thank you so much. Listen, if you're listening, we want you to share this with people. This is a uh, this is very helpful to people who are listening. And that's the what do, what do we say? Living with zero regret, right? That's what we yeah, want. Yeah, to grow old with zero regret, and that's the goal. Take what you listen to, share it. Hey, let's do this. We'll come back next week. We're here every Wednesday. We'll come back. We'll continue the conversation because I got a whole lot more. I have a lot of regrets I could talk about. Want to help you overcome them because the end goal is we won't we don't want you to be part of the 90% stat of that. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, remember, go be missional. Do something today outside of yourself to help somebody else along the journey of life. We'll see you next week.